that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com, your favorite Ohio State football podcast, Doug Maurice, along with Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, your coverage team, covering the Fighting Buckeyes for Cleveland.com. It's our daily Friday podcast, and we're going to get into the results and the reasonings behind those results of our favorite modern football Buckeye bracket. Started with 68 players. We're done. The tech subscribers voted a million times. Some people loved it. Some people were driven nuts by it. But it has officially ended, and Ezekiel Elliott is the winner. Um, I have a lot of great comments from texters about why they voted for different guys. Ezekiel Elliott versus Troy Smith was our final, but I'll start with you two, Stephen the final of Troy Smith versus Ezekiel Elliott, and then Ezekiel Elliott emerging as the winner, 54% to 46% in the final voting. What did you think of that? Not as not surprised. I think the national championship is probably the, the tiebreaker between the two. Obviously, Troy Smith, the Heisman winner, the hometown kid, but got blown out in the national championship game while – Ezekiel Elliott probably has the best three-game stretch of any Ohio State player when you're talking Wisconsin game, Alabama game, Oregon game. So that right there, I think, is what put him over the top when it comes to your favorite Buckeye of the last 20 years. Also, some very personal motivations in this. For example, from the 513, this texter voted Zeke was a student with him, and he also almost hit me with his car. Wasn't mad, though. So, like, you know, sometimes sometimes people have odd reasons for voting for people. Nathan, um, you obviously weren't around to cover those guys, but when you think about a Heisman Trophy winner versus a national champion, did you come away surprised, or was this what you expected? That's an interesting tie break, right? Because you've got one guy who achieved something that – they're built to achieve something really rare. I mean, a Heisman Trophy or a national championship, I assume, you know, similar rarity in, in Ohio State history. But to to be the guy that carries a team to a national championship, which um, that I think maybe is, is what does separate you. I think that, that puts you in more of a favorite because at the end of the day, while you earn the Heisman Trophy, it's earned in a different way. It's still more subjective. And this is something, you know, you go out and you take it. And I think that's probably earns you more of that favorite status than something that's just kind of bestowed on you, no matter whether you deserved it or not. It's very interesting, and I think this comes a lot, up a lot like in professional sports. Um, Troy was basically like the regular season MVP, and Zeke was the postseason MVP, whereas Troy wasn't anybody's postseason MVP. So um, it is a really interesting dichotomy um, of, of how that shook down. And I think the important thing to remember in this is the word favorite, which is what I tried to emphasize with the bracket. And we'll get into that a little bit more as we have this discussion. Um, we're not just going to talk about the voting, but we're going to talk about the great players in Ohio State history, what it means to be a favorite. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. But again, other texture responses. Another, I'm going to read all the people who voted for, for Zeke first, their explanations. Joseph in Atlanta said he dragged the team to a national title, ridiculous blocker, and he worked hard. Bonus points for the cutoff shirt. Also, this was fun, but it was the most chalky bracket in the history of brackets. Um, no upsets. In, in the Sweet 16, there was only one five seed. It was all ones, twos, threes, and fours, and one five seed. Steven, when you thought about that as you watched this bracket unfold, what did you think of so many higher-seeded players constantly winning? And our final four, for people who didn't follow it, was Troy Smith, A.J. Hawk, and Ezekiel Elliott as number one seeds, and then Joey Bosa as a two seed who beat Chase, Chase Young. Steven, what did you think of so many favorites winning? I mean, when you see it, there's no way to not see it. Like, the favorites are always going to be the higher seeds when you're talking about about favorite Buckeye versus like who the best Buckeye was in that st- standpoint, because your your fa- the way you're going to see it, it's, it's going to lead through very minimal upsets. Now, Cardell Jones, JT Barrett wasn't necessarily as close as maybe we all thought it would be when we were discussing this. There were some like, like that where we thought maybe it'd be a little closer, but as far as, I mean, this is a favorites bracket, And when you have, you know, and you, when you see it in a certain way, it's going to, follow that certain pattern and you're really not going to get any 
type of, you know, if there is going to be an upset, it would not, probably not come into the second or the sweet six, second round or the sweet 16, just because of this is how this is going to go. So I'm not that surprised that there wasn't any upsets. I'm just surprised that some of the ones that we discussed before we sent it out to the people where we thought it would maybe be a toss up. Those weren't even close. From the 412, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, he was playing well. He was playing when I was at Ohio State. That championship means everything to me. I can't disagree with my fellow friends of the pod. The voters have spoken. What it does tell me is that Ohio State has had just so many likable and accomplished players. We're spoiled. But like a classic spoiled rich kid, I know I'm spoiled, and I don't care. I want more in the years to come. Uh, I enjoyed voting, and I hope it can do something similar another time. Nathan, again, as you learn more and more about Ohio State, you're not even ha- you haven't even covered this program for a whole year yet. Does that strike you at all, right? I mean, like you look through this stuff, and we were only talking about a 20-year period here, not even a full 20 years. But the names that were in there, did, what did it tell you maybe about the history of this program when you thought about the 68 names that we put in this bracket from 2001 to 2019? Well, I think that's where as my, the, 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 the idea of the bracket – I still think it's a great one. I do think it is tough to vote in it in some ways, especially in these early rounds, because as much as you might have really enjoyed, and I can't remember off the top of my head, 15 and 16 seeds, those guys who would have been like your your almost guilty pleasures to use a term that probably doesn't really apply, but like guys that you just, you love and you don't know why. Or they, but then when you put them head to head in any kind of a vote against the greatest college football, some of the greatest college football players, not just in Ohio State history, but of the last 30 years, those that they're not going to win those votes. I thought I thought there would be more upsets in the later rounds, just because then you start kind of squishing that together, right? You start getting because Ohio State had so many really tremendous players over the last 20, 25, 30 years that those guys would start going head to head. Some of them would have just been seated lower, and some of those that's where the favorites would flip, and it's still tended to just kind of lean towards the guys who are the undoubtedly best of the best of, of that group. You know, a Heisman Trophy winner, what Ezekiel Elliott did, uh, what Bosa was. Um, the, so I, I think it just, it does kind of reemphasize that at the end of the day, as much as you kind of talk about, and we do it with kind of every team, right? There's, who you know, you could pick when people are talking about who they're driving the bus for um, a couple weeks ago on the pod. Um you know, they're picking guys who are farther down on the list. But if you had to put a, a bracket together of just this team, which I'm not necessarily suggesting you do because that one took a while. But if you were to do it for just this team and pick your favorite, I don't think those guys went out over the best guys on the team who are the best players in the country right now. From the 404, Elliot was the total college package, unprecedented performances when it mattered most, national champion, impassioned player who showed us how much he cares, for example, crying after the Michigan State loss. Uh, Zeke, this is a hard choice of a Heisman versus a Natty. To me, it comes down to 85 yards through the heart of the South. Um, this poison was dis- dis- was disappointed that Mike Nugent didn't make it at least a single round. I'm going to claim a bad matchup in the y- younger audience, maybe. I'm only 32, but that was right about the time I started following Ohio State. I want to get into that. There is um, definitely some generational stuff here, which I find very interesting. From the 614, Zeke all the way. As I mentioned, I like Troy a lot, but the last time we saw him as a Buckeye, he and his team were destroyed on the biggest stage. Elliott put the team on his back and went on a three-game run in 2014 that we may never see again. That's from our friend Seth Shaner. Zeke Elliott, rationale, the embodiment of the urban warrior, urban Meyer warrior mentality. That's from the 507, and that, that leads me to a, another point I want to make that I found interesting in this. Stephen, you might have a take on this. To me, Ezekiel Elliott is the, the best embodiment of the Urban Meyer era. And to me, and probably to everybody, Troy Smith is the best embodiment of the Jim Trestle era. Like that's the first player you think of when you think of what that coach was like, what that era was like. Troy was an under-recruited Cleveland kid from the Glenville pipeline that kind of came in under the radar Trestle sort of had, you know, some, some conservative things, but then by the end of Troy's career, he, he really took the reins off, let Troy do everything. And what Troy did most of all, better than anybody, was kick Michigan's butt. The first quarterback ever to go 3-0 and as a starter against Michigan, and that's what Trestle did better. Yes, Trestle won a national title, but Trestle brought back the rivalry, 9-1 and against Michigan. Urban 
goes national. Ezekiel Elliott, he's from Missouri. They get a national recruit. And yes, Urban came here maybe with a reputation for not giving the ball to running backs very much, but then by the end, sort of that 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 style of offense that they did, um, they did lean a lot on the power run, even though it was an Urban Meyer spread, and sort of have a national recruit going crazy. And that Zeke, yes, Zeke was awesome against Michigan too, but Zeke's defining moment is 85 yards through the heart of the South against Alabama. It's on a national stage. And Urban was, yes, Urban was 7-0 against Michigan, but by then Ohio State was used to beating Michigan. What Urban did is take it to the next level nationally. So I do think in the end, Stephen, as much as people were voting for Troy or Zeke, I think in some way they were also voting for the era and the coach, because when you vote for Troy, you're voting for Trestle. And when you vote for Zeke, you're voting for Urban. What do you think? I agree with that point. And to, to the point of the, especially with the embodiment of it, when you look at what the rest of those rosters were, you know, for Troy Smith, it was Anthony Gonzalez. It was Ted Ginn Jr., Ohio guys. While for, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, JT Barrett from Texas, Joey, Joey Bosa's from Florida. Like these are, yeah, it it, 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 it all it, it marks where where Ohio State as a as a football program has been able to go in the sense of Jim Trestle revived things and Urban Meyer has vaulted it to the level that it is right now where Ryan Day has come in and it's still it's just still this national it's one of the three best programs in college football and that's because Jim Trestle came in and literally said we're gonna beat Michigan and then went out and beat Michigan and along the way he won a national championship while Urban Meyer you know took it the rest of the way. And that starts with, you know, 85 yards to the south. From the 614, Zeke. He's the key to winning the Natty, the key reason we beat Alabama. Great work ethic. Played kickoff coverage as a freshman and had some great hits. Great personality. His Bosa shrug in the 2015 bowl game versus Notre Dame after Bosa was ejected for targeting was priceless. He always wanted the ball, but he knew how to block when needed. Troy Smith had a bad presser after the bad Florida National Championship game, and that still bothers me. Zeke bleeds Zeke bleeds scarlet and gray from the 813. Zeke, because he spanked smuggle Alabama almost by himself. I'm not sure if you remember that Bama fan YouTube video that went viral saying we couldn't touch Bama when we couldn't even handle Virginia Tech and we didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. Then Zeke comes in bowling defenders over, breaking ankles, and blowing Bama's defense's doors off anytime he had a lane. That three-game stretch of 230 yards per game is something I will never forget. Um, they like the bracket. Awesome idea for the bracket. Great way to get us involved in thinking about stuff to distract from everything going on. Love what you guys do for us. Can't wait to see what you think up next. Uh, more from Zeke. Zeke, you won a title. Troy didn't. Simple as that. Proud of Troy's Heisman, but his last start versus Florida will always leave a sour taste. Um, disappointed there weren't any upsets, basically, in the bracket. This is from the 614. Voters made it predictable and kind of boring as we went along, but it was a fun activity and a thought experiment. Nathan, um, I, I want to talk about the idea of players defining eras. And I think there are some pretty clear ones. Again, I, I haven't been covering Ohio State football for 50 years, although it seems like it sometimes. I think Zeke is the defining player for Urban, Troy for Trestle. I'm not sure who people would say is the defining guy for Coop. Is it Orlando Pace? I'm not 100% sure. He had so many great players, but he's so bogged down by the Michigan losses. I would be curious if you're a texter, and if you want to be a texter, you can subscribe 14-day free trial. Send a text to 614-350-3315 to get that free trial started. $3.99 a month after that. If you're a texter, send who you think is the defining player of the Cooper era. I think Chris Spielman is probably the defining player of the Earl Bruce era. And then for Woody, I think it's probably Archie Griffin also. And Woody was around for so long, 28 years. There are various eras of Woody, but it's Archie at the end, and then also the Super Soft as a class sort of saving Woody's career. When you think about, Nathan, the future and the type of player that might be the defining player of the Ryan Day era, who do you think it might be? Do you think it might be Justin Fields or just like what's your vibe of the kind of player that will always associate with Ryan Day? I think it'll be a quarterback. But I think it's a quarterback who is probably either not on the roster yet or hasn't played yet. 
um, because Fields comes in right at the start of Day's era. I suppose you could you could we could someday look back and say, well, that guy became the prototype of everything that followed after. And especially if Ohio State were to go out and like win a national championship in 2020, I think that'll obviously endure and, and be kind of the stage setter for whatever comes beyond that. Um, but I my suspect that it's going to be more about the guy that Ryan Day goes and finds as a high school guy. Um, and then the guy he develops kind of incubates under, you know, his tutelage, his entire career here at Ohio state, he comes in as an Ohio state recruit, not a transfer. And that guy gets built up to be the guy who kind of stands above now. But again, I I, I do reserve some possibility that it could end up just being fields and he doesn't follow that trajectory because he was a transfer. He didn't commit, start his career as a Buckeye. And he comes in right at the start of the Ryan Day era where we're still kind of learning what a Ryan Day team slash quarterback slash offense is. Um, We're only going into year two of that. But if he goes off and, you know, wins a Heisman and leads him to a national championship this following year, that's going to be, I think, a tough act for anybody to follow and may kind of endure as like the kind of the shimmering example of what an Ohio State quarterback is. But I think it's going to be a quarterback because Ryan Day is a quarterback. Ryan Day is known for quarterbacks. I think that will be the position that defines this next era of Ohio State football. More on Zeke from the 314. We rode his legs to win a natty, ran tough inside, but blazing speed on the outside. He was the king of the Urban Meyer power run attack. Chose his high school for the academics first and sports second. Actually going to run some sprints on the same high school football field later today. Last but not least, the, the texter obviously lives near Missouri, in Missouri. Last but not least, he chose Ohio State over his father's alma mater of Missouri. It took courage to make that decision. From the 706, 706, Zeke, that was hard. Heisman Trophy winner versus the guy who carried us to the national championship on his legs. If Troy had won the national championship, hands down the winner, and maybe a top five Buckeye of all time. This was cool, Doug. Thank you, guys. My wife shakes her head and laughs at us. Uh, From the 614, Zeke, as much as I love Troy, the way it all ended for him was crushing. I still can't go back and watch replays of games from that season, including the Michigan game of the century, because of that Florida disaster. Maybe that's absurd and unfair to reflect on a whole career based so significantly on one game, but I can't help it. Meanwhile, Zeke was a major part of the national championship, and I don't think I've enjoyed a Buckeye experience quite like that three-game run to the championship. I have his 85-yard run TD saved on my phone, and a picture of it hangs on my wall. From the 937, tough call. The key factor for me is going to be the fact that Zeke was the catalyst in the playoff championship run, and without him, I don't think they would have been able to pull it off. Zeke is the winner. This was a fun playoff bracket. I thought it was cool to come up with. I think most texters think alike. Quarterbacks are the leaders and top running backs or linebackers defensive ends are the cream of the crop that makes the difference. The only exception is the top running back in the nation that leads you to a title. That's the thing. I do think we all lean quarterback on this stuff, which is why like Zeke had to be that special, I think, to win something like this. Last Zeke comment. He's the most exciting Buckeye and the baddest Buckeye. He played with incomparable zeal and winning intensity. Give him the ball and good stuff happens. He was just the best. Um, Steven, I think there's something with Zeke. As we continue this idea of like favorite versus best, Zeke's, as you mentioned, Steven, that three-game run is may never be matched. But I also do think there is something to Zeke's swag, his intensity. Um, I mean, the, the, the half-cut shirt, the eating with the spoon after he got a touchdown. Like, I think, I think that attitude helped inspire confidence in Ohio State fans in addition to his incredible talent on the field. Do you think sort of the Zeke vibe was important as well? Yeah, he was an entertainer. You know, even to this day, as a Dallas Cowboy, he's still an entertainer. You He's really good at what he does for a living, but also he makes it look good as well. But the half shirt thing, they, he is the reason why the NCAA had to make the rule that you cannot show your half shirt is because he was doing it and he was dominating while he was doing it. And he had kids around the country doing what, you know, wearing half shirts in a way that they, we hadn't seen since, you know, Eddie George was in high school, was in college. It's the, it's the fact that he had the swagger about himself. He was a little, he was, he was a little cocky, but. He also dominated most of the time when he got the ball outside of that Michigan State game. Once he got things rolling, once Ohio State 
offensive line, got some continuity. And once he got things rolling, you know, he turned himself into one of the best running backs in college football. And ours until a couple of days ago was the highest paid running back of all time. I would, I don't think Zeke was a little cocky. He was a lot cocky. But he was a lot cocky, but that was a time when Ohio State, like when you're trying to beat Bama, you've got to be cocky, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, you're rising to that level. Um, I think people really appreciated that. We're going to get into some of the Troy answers, and I have a, a list of stuff I want to hit on real quick. But as we get to the Troy answers from the 419, this is a minor point. This person voted for Troy. This is as hard as it gets because of that three-game stretch from Zeke in 14, but Troy Smith will always be one of my favorites. He was so much fun to watch. I'm trying not to be a victim of recency bias. Troy gets the nod. I would also be lying if I said Zeke's off-field incidents weren't a consideration. They've actually both had a a little bit of off-field incidents. Troy's had a DUI since he left Ohio State. Zeke had the the suspension in the NFL for some off-field things. Nathan, as you think about it, I want to ask you two questions about this, and then we'll take a quick break. How much would you expect any off-field stuff to factor into the voting for people? And how much would you expect NFL stuff to factor in to any of this stuff for people? Because Troy, as we know, didn't really have much of an NFL career, while Zeke is a current NFL star. I think the answer to both is it's a matter of degrees. If a guy goes out and has a um, – if well, the first part, I guess, of the off-field stuff, if it's something – significant i'm not trying to downplay the potential severity of of a dui but if it's something where you actually did harm someone else something that was really egregious i think that would possibly deter people from that kind of favorite voting as opposed to an infraction like a dui um and in this case that was probably kind of just negated right i mean they all it neither one of them were enough to, to stop these guys from getting to a final two matchup and it probably didn't factor into the final voting that much at all or it shouldn't have i mean for a head-to-head um as far as the second one i think it probably i can't imagine that in in some ways it doesn't affect the voting in elliot's favor the fact that he not only got to the nfl but has now really established himself as one of the premier running backs in the NFL. And it's now been a, not just a flash in the pan kind of thing. Like he is, he is there. He has done it now for several years. He could be on like a hall of fame kind of trajectory. If he keeps this up, I think that definitely has to play a role, even if it's subconsciously in the way people vote for these things. I will say, and I I didn't just like, I didn't set you up so I could disagree with you. It's, it's interesting about this. We're going to get into some of the things where people thought I misseeded some things, I think one, maybe the guy I underseeded the most, but I think I had a, re, a reason for it, was I had J.K. Dobbins as a nine seed in the Urban Meyer offense region, and I had him matched up in the first round against Michael Thomas as an eight seed. Now, J.K. had a much better Ohio State career, but Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And I thought at the, I thought we had a couple eight-nine matchups early, like San Antonio Holmes, Anthony Gonzalez, and Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward were like 51-49. I thought that might be another 51-49. And J.K. Dobbins beat Michael Thomas 75-25. And the rationale for most people, there's some recency bias, but it was Michael Thomas didn't do as much as a Buckeye. I'm voting on what a guy does as a Buckeye. And I do think sometimes people are aware of the NFL stuff, but they always remember what you did here what you did in Scarlet and Gray. So I was surprised by that. I wasn't shocked that JK won. I was shocked he won 75-25. So it's always of great interest to me how much people do value NFL stuff, how much they're interested in that versus just focusing on the next Buckeye who's up, how much they care about NFL draft stuff versus talking about, man, we just want to talk about the 2020 Buckeyes. I'm always curious how much people care about pro Buckeyes because it. I just, in the end, I think it, pales in comparison to how much they care about the 18 year old dude who hasn't done anything yet at Ohio state, but is going to have a chance to. Um, So listen, there's, here's a list of of things I want to get to after the break besides the Troy comments and besides other comments on the bracket. I want to get to the story that's out on ESPN with an oral history of the 2015 Ohio state game. I want to get to the idea of us possibly having an Ohio state zoom meetup to play family feud. And I want to talk about why I, te- why I tweeted Chase Young went to a pizza hut in Finland. So those are all things that are going to make you stick around on Buckeye Talk. We will be right back after this. 
All right, back on Buckeye Talk, Heather Dinich from ESPN has a story out, an oral history of the Ohio State-Michigan game from 2015, and it sent me down a rabbit hole this morning. She talked to, she has Urban Meyer quotes in there. She has Luke Fickle quotes in there. Nick Vanette is heavy in there. Joshua Perry. Um, some other players, Chris Ash is in there a lot. Did either of you guys have a chance to skim that this morning? Not yet, no. No. So I would recommend checking that out. And the thing it makes me want to do is like rediscuss the 2015 Ohio State-Michigan State game. There is a 40-minute version of the game that's out there on YouTube that they just cut from yeah. play to play to play to play to play. And I rewatched only the offensive snaps for that. I don't know what the level of interest is in from our podcast people on this. And again, if you're a texter, 614-350-3315, text us and say what you think. I'm tempted to do a four-hour podcast on the thing because I found it informative. I also found some of the answers. I mean, they're the coaches and the players who took part of it, but I disagree with them, some of the things they said about their own game. And I disagree with some of the ways they couched um, the things they said about the defending national champions filled with NFL talent being unable to beat Michigan State at home in the rain that night. So I don't want to bring up – I was mentioning it on Twitter on Friday morning, and some people were like, please don't do this. Life is already hard enough. Do not make us think <laughs> about the 2015 Michigan State loss. But I think as we move ahead after the draft, I think there might be room – for the two of you guys to watch the cut-up of it, for us to reevaluate the guys on that team, and for us to give, for me at least, to give my uh, hard-truth opinions on why the Buckeyes screwed that up. Um, someone had suggested, uh, like, mistakes of the Urban Meyer era as a podcast topic, and I think we could maybe squeeze that in under, under there. Um, let's get into some Troy Smith stuff before I start talking about Finland, though. Um, other people who voted for Troy Smith – why did they vote for Troy Smith? Troy, I think a lot of the voters picked who they thought were better players as opposed to voting for their favorite Buckeye player, which I took to mean personality and other factors from the 740. So that person's explaining, I asked that, right? Did people sort of fall into that? Nathan, I guess you sort of talked about that. You have your own favorite players, right? In the sports that you love. Are your favorite players the best players? Or like if you were doing a bracket of the 68 of 68 St. Louis Cardinals, would you almost always end up voting for the best player or would there be a lot of times where you voted for a guy that you just loved who was far less accomplished? It would be interesting if you were to do that exact bracket like for the Cardinals during my lifetime because I think, like obviously you would think like, oh, Albert Pujols, like arguably the greatest hitter in, in the major leagues during that period or one of the very, very few. Like you, he would win that bracket, right? Well, I don't know because I remember going to uh, – um, a playoff game in 96 where Ozzie Smith and Willie McGee were both still on the team. And you know, Ozzie Smith, you know, Hall of Fame shortstop, gets a, a really good ovation. And Willie McGee comes out for the introductions and gets just the most massive ovation I've ever heard at a baseball game. And because he was just like this beloved guy. And sometimes guys who are that, that, that tier below greatness, because their, their greatness doesn't get shared with the country because there's, you know, people around the country can look at Chase Young and see like, man, that guy's an amazing player. Or they look at Justin Fields and say, what an amazing player. But sometimes the around the country, they're not recognizing that next tier of guy down. And like, you only know how great he is, even though to, to go back to baseball, like William McGee had won an MVP and won a couple batting titles, but like, so he was known, but he wasn't like shared nationally with every other baseball fan, the way someone like Ozzie Smith was. So I think that that's why guys who are that next tier down, like on this team, you know, someone like Chris Olave would probably be um, in, a, in a way the more beloved Buckeye than someone like uh, Chase Young or Justin Fields was because I think Ohio State fans think like only we know how great he is. And that, that I think matters. Steven, you're an NBA guy. I don't know who your favorite team in a sport is, but mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you find – are your favorite guys the best players or is it not necessarily that? No, my favorite guys are the best players. But I think the, the players who usually, you know, sit with us the most, let's just use the Cleveland Cavaliers 2016 NBA championship game since we are Cleveland outlet. J.R. Smith and, and Richard Jefferson are two of the most beloved people in that city because they won a championship, but also just their personalities. And you know, J.R. being the screw up that he can be at sometimes, but also can have some great moments. And Richard Jefferson being the personality that he is, as great as LeBron, LeBron James is, 
we knew he was great. It's it's the it's the not necessarily I wouldn't even say necessarily the guys who are just under greatness, but the the guys who are maybe replaceable on a roster who stick with you the most. So I I I think those are usually the more memorable memorable players for fans of a certain team. While the rest of the world is going to think about LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and the stop, the block, and the shot, I think there are just as many people who are going to think about. J.R. Smith throwing a no-look lob pass in game six of the NBA Finals when you're down three to two. If I were to seed a bracket for the favorite players on that Cavs championship team, I think I'd – obviously LeBron's the one seed. I think I'd yeah. have Kyrie as the two. I'd make J.R. the three and Kevin Love the four, and LeBron would blow out Love in the final four. Who would win a final four matchup between Kyrie and J.R. for favorite Cav of that team? J.R. might win just because – Kyrie's weird and he left. Yeah, I think that I think that might be true. Uh, my my daughter, who is a big basketball fan, her uh, English teacher in middle school um, had like a a poster on her door. Like she used to have one of Kyrie, and then after Kyrie left, like she put she like drew a snake on it or something. And it was like like it was like, hey, come learn about uh, come learn about literature. Also, Kyrie Irving is a snake. And it was like, okay, I guess you know people got mad. So, um, all right, back to Troy. Troy Smith, Heisman, Michigan Slayer, great college quarterback and Ohio State legend. Elliott has the national championship, but Troy did get them to the BCS championship. He just ran into a buzzsaw Florida team. That's from the 614. Um, let's see. Oh, so this is um, – okay, Zeke had that run um, in 2014 that was so iconic. Troy was amazing, will always be remembered, but that 2006 title game is a stain. Troy wasn't the same player for that game. So that's kind of another Zeke comment, but it's about that this Florida thing really does hang around Troy's neck. Troy Smith by 100. Uh, Mike Doss and Chris Gamble should have been in the final four, by the way, says that, says that voter uh, from the 614. Troy M.F. Smith, so many memories of the original Wolverine killer from my childhood. Uh, I attended the 2006 game of the decade. That was an unforgettable experience. I will never forget. I understand that his final season did not end in a national championship, but he helped lead one of the single most dominant regular seasons I've ever witnessed. Troy Smith is the GOAT from the 614. Troy Smith, he was more important to the success of his team than Ezekiel Elliott. Um, some people made that argument basically that, like, I mean, Troy did have Anthony Gonzalez and Ted Ginn Jr. and Beanie Wells and Antonio Pittman, but Zeke probably still had more overall talent. So some people argued that Zeke had more help than Troy, so I'll vote for Troy. From the 614, Troy was the best player when I really fell in love with the Buckeyes football team. Watching him in those Michigan games gives me goosebumps now that I'm rewatching all of them. Uh, I think a lot of the voters were influenced by the seeds assigned to them. If you just seeded them yourself but didn't show us the seeds and asked us to vote, I think you would have gotten a vastly different bracket with more upsets. Uh, and I'm all in on the Ohio State Texter game show from the 614. Nathan, that idea, do you think that by seeding stuff, I I vastly influence the votes. I think that it probably does influence the votes to see a number there. Maybe not not for everybody, but for a certain number of voters, it probably does. It it just kind of maybe reinforces what I was talking about earlier, where sometimes if you have like an eight against a one, even though that eight is like this beloved guy, um, you're not going to vote for him over the guy who is a one seed, one of the great players in, in Ohio State history. From the 386, I knew it would come down to these two. God, this is tough. 1A and 1B. Going with Troy Smith. First of all, he was an Ohio kid, and just his play against Michigan was sensational. Plus, he won the Heisman. Zeke was incredible, uh, but I've got to give it to Troy because he's from Ohio and he won the Heisman. From the 650, Troy, I feel like he meant more to the program as an individual than Zeke. I also have a hard time voting for Zeke for the off-the-field issues. Troy seems like a better human being. In my book, that counts. Plus, I became a Montreal Alouettes fan because of Troy Smith. Okay. From the 727, Troy Smith, very tough choice. For me, Troy got a little more love since he was a four-year guy, an articulate leader with the media, and an Ohio boy. A recruit listed as an athlete, and he took his talent to being a Heisman Trophy winner. I suppose his Ohio's ties and the four years with Ohio State tilted in his favor. That said, I love Zeke. From the 216, Troy, I think the Heisman propels him more than the national title for Zeke. Uh, I love the whole process, but I was surprised at how much chalk prevailed. 
From the 330, Troy Smith, my all-time favorite Buckeye. My freshman year at Ohio State was 06 when they went undefeated in the regular season. Great time to be on campus. The seeding ended up really good since there were a few, there were a few upsets. I would have loved to see Troy versus Braxton in the finale. Steven, Ezekiel Elliott beat Braxton Miller, who was the two seed in the Urban Meyer offense region. Um, mm-hmm. d- did you think that maybe – Braxton had a shot there. That wound up 63% to 37% in the voting. Braxton is is so electric, and he was a quarterback. D- did you think Braxton had any shot against Zeke? No, because he didn't really do a no, – no, he never even played in a national championship game. He was hurt the year they won it. I think if this was the most exciting Buckeye, yes, I think he beat Zeke. I mean, like you say, he's so electric. And he was a highlight waiting to happen on every single snap. But when we're talking about favorite Buckeye, that means you're taking into account not just how how great their play was and how exciting they were to watch, but also what they accomplished as Buckeyes. And what Zeke accomplished as Buckeyes, as a Buckeye, is greater than what Braxton Miller accomplished as Buckeye. Even after uh, Braxton Miller switched to wide receiver and had this and hit the B button against Virginia Tech. From the 937, I'm voting for Joe, Joey Bosa to win it all. I don't care if it doesn't count. I love Troy. <laughs> I love Troy, but he wouldn't have even been in my final four. Zeke is number two, and I love him as well. The biggest thing the Texters got wrong was on Mike Nugent, who was the 12th seed in the Trestle offense bracket. He should have been in the Sweet 16 against Troy, not Beanie Wells. Nugent drove Trestle ball to a national championship with his leg and is the all-time leading scorer at Ohio State. From the 302, Troy Smith. This was cool. Thanks for doing it. I'm not sure how Braxton wasn't a winner over Zeke. That team was loaded and had the best O-line in the country. Braxton made magic with less. Uh, And agreeing that this person thought I seeded JK too low. From the 858, Troy Smith, and I say this even though I have mixed feelings with him. He was by far my favorite Buckeye, even though his performance in his last game disappointed me for years. Yes, everyone else sucked against Florida, but Troy's legacy was really ruined in my mind after that. I still picked him because his personal story and family adversity really inspired me, and his growth at quarterback in his senior year was phenomenal. I love Zeke, but I think Troy was more mature towards the end of his Ohio State career than Zeke was. Zeke is my favorite Buckeye of the Meyer era, but Troy was one of the reasons why my love for the Buckeyes went from strong fandom to an obsession that makes me a tech subscriber. So thanks to Troy for getting us a tech subscriber. That's from our guy, Colin. So thanks for that. 585, Troy over Zeke. Maybe it's just my age showing, but Troy is just more of who I think of as a Buckeye. A.J. Hawk not winning shows that I'm amongst those weirdos who love defense and grind and guts players, I guess. I always like the guys who play multiple seasons at high levels, but do it with that lunch pail mentality. Um, It's fun to watch big blowouts, but something about close games where it's the silver bullets leading the charge. They really appreciate that. I love the bracket as a daily escape. Uh, Last one on Troy. Troy Smith from the 952. I'm 46 years old and I was raised on Ohio State football. My dad always had season tickets and he took me to countless games as a kid. To this day, Ohio State football is one of our biggest bonding points. 2006 was such a fun year overall and the Michigan game was the apex of that. My dad and I were at the horseshoe together for that game and we still talk about the fact that of all the games we've been to together, with all that was on the line that day and the way the game played out, it was just one of our favorites ever. Troy represents that game and really that whole season to me. It's a no-brainer. That's from Bob power and then he says uh, I like the bracket I like the timing of the voting and the way it was weaved into the shows I'd like to complain about the seating because of the lack of upsets but the fact that there were none just proves how well it was seated um, I think Troy so this is and this is the last generational point I'm not sure who will win between these two but I do think there will be a pretty solid division based on age I think Troy will carry the over 30s and Zeke will dominate with the younger subscribers. Awesome idea. Thanks again for Bob Power. Nathan, that idea. Do you think there is something about favorite? And as we continue to talk about that word favorite, that like if if a guy is the player that you connect with when you're getting into a team, that there is obviously going to be a generational facet to a vote like this? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I mean that's that's there's something about like the kind of childlike enthusiasm that you have for guys um, and especially for the and, and even for guys who are older or, or, or voters who are older. If you're on campus, you see those guys walking around, you're in class with them. I think that resonates more with you, too. But but certainly if you're if you can remember back to when you were an Ohio State fan as a as a kid watching with your 
dad, watch them with your, your, your family, whatever, watch them with your, your younger friends. And those are the guys that everybody just kind of loved. I mean, you have, because you build the idea of what that player was up. You build up the idea of what that player was more than what they really were. Probably they be, they take on kind of a different level of accomplishment and just a, a kind of a different status in your mind, in your memory, just to the way the brain works. So I, I think that there's definitely something to that. And I definitely think that there probably is in any vote like this, uh, some recency bias and just some bias towards who was the more recent player, because we probably have our, 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 our population probably skews younger as far as like our, our text voters. So, we actually got some information the other day that, that we do have, I think at least from the podcast listeners, we have a fairly young audience. But I do also think like Troy, so Troy's like 06. Like if you were like in college, for instance, like with Troy, so you're like in your late 30s now, like that I think is still like a pretty heavy, heavy audience that I think that we have on the texters uh, and with the podcast. So I do think there was clearly a generational thing at play here, though, from the five, six, seven. Um, wondering how much there was a generational divide among voters. Did voters lean towards players they remembered seeing play? Did other voters lean towards trustful players because no one could measure up to what they remembered? I think this is all a good point about this stuff. Uh, from the 330 on generations, um, Troy, they voted for Troy. He played with great talent, but Zeke played with even better talent. My one observation here is that I think age could have played a role in the voting. If you're in your 40s, you have a love affair with the 2002 team and the overall trestle era. Taking down that Miami dynasty was even greater than taking down Alabama in 14. My gut tells me that the younger generation probably preferred the Meyer players and the older generation preferred the Trestle players. Uh, great job. Love the pod. I've listened to every pod since the first one back in 2015. Wow. From the 330. That's pretty amazing. So thank you for that. I have a few more things. That, uh, here's the thing. We're supposed to do half an hour. I don't know how anyone does a half hour podcast. I feel like I'm like... <laughs> I'm being at one and a half speeds trying to get through this stuff. I want to explain my Finland thing. PFF tweeted this out today because uh, it's anonymous scout quote season, which is a ridiculous season that everybody knows. And I thought it was funny. They said, um, your anonymous scout quote is your favorite draft prospect plus the reason for your first breakup. And I responded with Chase Young went to a pizza hut in Finland. Because I think that's a pretty provocative tweet, right? <laughs> that the reason first my, for my yeah, first my breakup was yeah. because I, I went to a pizza hut in Finland. So a couple people on Twitter said, like, you have to explain this. And so I said, listen to the freaking podcast. So for the people who saw that tweet or want to know about it now, my answer to that is uh, I was a late bloomer. I'm still blooming, as a matter of fact, at age 46. I still have not fully bloomed. So I didn't have my first girlfriend until my senior year of high school. And I was lucky enough to be part of a foreign exchange program where my senior year of high school, we went to Russia for two weeks. My junior year, these Russian students came and stayed with us. And then my senior year, we went to Russia and stayed with them. This was in the fall of 1991. So I lived with this family and I've told, this is a story, like this is one of my dinner party stories. They have this feast for me. They're kind of a lower class family in Russia, right? I mean, they don't have a ton of stuff. They have this feast for me the first night I'm there. And it's, all this stuff, and I'm a picky eater, as people listening to this know. They did not give me plain McDonald's hamburgers. But the main thing I remember was they had sardines and they had this orange caviar. And they also had these bottles of Coca-Cola that they must have caught. I don't they must have gotten them on the black market somehow. So they're like, and they're all very invested in watching me eat this dinner. <laughs> so I'm trying to choke down this orange caviar. I take a bite of caviar and then I take a swig of Coke and then I take a bite of caviar and I take a swig of Coke. And I'm like, dear God, let me live through this. I had never had caviar. I don't know if it was good caviar or bad caviar, but 17 year old Doug Lane Reese was not into any kind of caviar. It's horrible. I survive. I go to sleep. I pack some crackers in my suitcase. I go eat some my crackers. So I have some food that I actually like. I wake up in the morning. And on the breakfast table is the leftover caviar waiting for me. <laughs> so that's my experience in Russia. I lost 15 pounds. It was like the greatest diet I ever went on because I went there and I was like, I'm not eating any of this food. But on our way home, and I had a, my first girlfriend during this, on the way home, it was like there were 20 of us from high school. So you get to be closer with all the people you travel with. We had a layover in Finland on the way home. 
So I had my girlfriend who was back in Pennsylvania, and I, but I went to dinner at a Pizza Hut in Finland with another girl on the trip. And at the Pizza Hut in Finland on our layover on the way home from Russia back to the United States, I thought to myself, I like this girl. And so when I got back home, I broke up with my first girlfriend, and then that girl became my second girlfriend. So that is my Pizza Hut Finland story. There is no pizza that ever tastes better than pizza in a foreign country when you don't like the native food there. When I covered the Olympics in London, I also ate at a Pizza Hut in London twice. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever because I don't want to eat this British food. So that's my Finland pizza story. Steven, what would be your phrase for your favorite prospect in the draft plus the reason for your first breakup? What's your sentence? Oh, I have to think about this. Chase. It's Chase. I'm trying to – I don't even remember my first breakup. Chase Young, because I'm too attractive for my own good. That is my prediction (laughs) for the Stephen meeting. Yeah, Uh, let's roll roll with it. Yeah. I think it's something in that vein, which is a problem that I don't have to deal with. No. I mean, no, here it is. Chase Young – (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's not. It is in that vein. Chase Young, and, and it, it's got to be either that or something along the lines of, "I was in middle school, so I cared about what other people thought." Okay, Chase Young, because girls throw themselves at me. Um, <laughs> Nathan, what's your sentence? I don't think I have a great like. I certainly don't have any story that lives up to the, yeah. the Finland story. I mean, that's like, because um, most of the time it's just like. You're not even really dating, right, at a young age. So it's like it doesn't matter. So I guess <laughs> would that be the answer? It's like Ben Victor because it, it didn't matter. Yeah. No, I like that. I, I like that. I think, I think that's a good one. That's like the per- – I'm going to be honest with you. That's probably the best draft prospect. I did not say that Ben Victor does not matter. I don't want that I know, to get, I don't want that to get cut together. Yeah. Ben Victor matters. Yeah. Who you're dating in like eighth grade doesn't matter. All right, so we'll wind this down. Um, we couldn't get to all the comments. A couple more from the 863. They just wanted to say, I listened to Doug complain for the past few years, so it's nice to hear Stephen and Nathan throw some curveballs at crazy old Doug from time to time. My name is Chad, by the way. I'm a diehard bucknut from Michigan that now lives in Florida. Go Bucks. He voted for Zeke, but he wanted to throw that out there about the podcast. Uh, from the 614, this whole bracket was so tough to pick because my favorites have not always been the most talented or famous guys. I fought with myself and voted inconsistently because I wanted to vote Chimdi Chekwa and Nick Mangold and Cam Johnston over guys like Jeff Okuda and Nick Bosa. Um, I think that's a, a point that we've kind of gotten to. Favorites can be hard. Um, I voted for Zeke in the end, but he isn't my personal favorite. For me, it would have been Mike Doss or AJ Hawk, but Zeke is a great option from the 614. Um, from the 614, I brought this up before, but I could never tell if you seeded it well or if by including the seeding in the player choices, you have an implicit bias to vote a certain way and you bait them into choosing the higher seeded player. However, this was an awesome idea and thanks for doing it. Um, someone thought from the 216 that we should have gone Tyvis Powell over Nick Bosa in a 12-5 bracket. And that was one of the ones where I thought there might be some 12-5 upsets and there never were. So here's the last thing I want to throw out there. Again, if you want to be a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315, just send a text to that. We had a Zoom call on Thursday night for our Browns tech subscribers, where we had Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ellis Williams, Scott, pa- Scott Pasco, and me, and then the, the tech subscribers were invited to it, and we had an hour and 45-minute NFL draft show. And it worked pretty well, and it was for – tech subscribers only. And that makes me want to do something like that for Ohio State. So the idea I have thrown out is a family feud style game where our tech subscribers would get to play something we probably call like Buckeye Brawl so we don't get sued by Family Feud, although we might get sued by Ohio State. But it would be like Steven as the head of one family with four texters, Nathan as the head of another family with four texters, me as the host, and I would send out to the rest of the texters the questions and take the first 100 answers. So it's, it's, it's not trivia, right? Family feud isn't trivia. It's like, you know, 
name a fruit you might find in your refrigerator. But I would come up with a thousand different Ohio State questions like that. So our boss likes that idea. Nathan and Steven like that idea. So if you've never been a tech subscriber, we're going to try to take it next level. It's not just text in your phones. It's access to something like that. I think it will happen if you are a tech subscriber. Stay tuned for it. Steven, what do you think of that idea? I love that idea. Honestly, it's it's a way to interact with, you know, our tech subscribers once again, just like with this bracket. And, you know, it's it's using Zoom to its best best capabilities the way that the rest of the world has been for the last two months. I love it. Nathan, what would you think of the idea of you and uh, Steven getting to have a showdown with your texter families? I'm all in favor of it. I think one of the best uh, time uh, wastes is to go on YouTube and look for terrible family feud answers throughout the years. So hopefully we get some of those uh, classic uh, uh, blunders on our selections as well. Yeah, it's always like Family Feud always comes up with answers where it's like there's a 40% chance that you might actually accidentally say but as your answer, right? And it's, or you or you actually say but as your answer. Yeah. In a in a hilarious unintended way. I mean, and it's always like the, the there's always one that's like name a part of the body that a man has that a woman doesn't. And it's you like think too hard about it. Yep. And it's like, okay, I mean, I guess you could say Adam's apple, but it's like, that's not what people normally say. And then everyone's like, I can't believe she said that, or he said that. And it's like, man, you set us up. So we'll try to come up with those. I think it could be fun. Impossible, literally impossible to do a half hour podcast. Literally impossible. How does anyone do it? We'll get to a lot more questions and answers from you guys in Monday's podcast. Um, we have a lot more plans for big ideas, but the last few, we haven't necessarily gotten to a ton of subscriber questions. And so we will get back to that. But for now, thanks to you guys for listening. Favorite modern football Buckeye voting is over for good and for bad. It's over. So for Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. We appreciate you guys. And that was Buckeye talk.